modern-day judges play a pretty important role in what is going on in our world today. From the Supreme Court to the lower courts and all those in between, hardly a day goes by where we don't see a judge or his or her ruling or something in the news. And as I was preparing for this morning, my memory jumped back a few decades to the comedian Flip Wilson, who used to say, Here come to judge, here come to judge, here come to judge. Well, today we're continuing to explore the question of who is Jesus really as we pursue the second of our Lenten sermons. Last week, you'll recall how we looked to Jesus the initiator as a seed planter and a nurturer of growth, all as farmer in the dell. And this morning, we move to a tougher identity for him as we explore Jesus as judge. Some of you know that I keep clippings in my filing system in the office. I have thousands and thousands of, of uh, things that I've read over the years. And I, as I was going through and preparing for this sermon, I, I found a cartoon. I don't know if you remember Kudzu, but he was a parish pastor and in, um, in, a, in the country. And there's a cartoon in which we see this particular thing. He's standing in the pulpit. And he says, on judgment day, the Lord will separate the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats, the neat from the nerds. And then he turns and he says, I always like to relate to our young people. When we think of judgment, especially in the Old Testament, we tend to envision harshness and punishment. People are usually classified as wicked or good, and there doesn't seem to be much room in between. And woe to those who are evil, for God's wrath is strong and fierce. The writer of Ecclesiastes appears to be confused in the passage that Linda read for us. He observes that the righteous are treated according to the conduct of the wicked. And the wicked are treated according to the conduct of the righteous. In other words, life isn't fair. And so not knowing exactly what to do, he coined the phrase, and you've heard it many times before, eat, drink, and be merry. Wisdom and understanding in the mind of the writer are unattainable. Many Christians today whether they know it or not, focus a great deal of their energy and faith on judgment. Who's in and who's out? Who's accepted and who's rejected? Many Christians spend a lot of time worrying about who is going to get into heaven and who's going to hell. Jesus as judge 
for them is separating the sheep from the goats all the time. And by golly, you better know which one you are. Fear and the threat of harsh judgment and punishment can be very strong motivators. Right? Right. When a person is primarily concerned with being accepted and rewarded, that person becomes very selective with do's and don'ts. The end becomes the end all. The end becomes the end all. Measuring yourself against others can be a terrific way to justify a sense of making it. Because it's always easier to see the faults in others far away beyond your own. Don't keep trying to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye when you don't see the log in your own, Jesus said. Judge not that you be not judged, he also said. Well, here's how an anonymous poet put it. I dreamed death came the other night, and heaven's gates swung open wide. An angel with a halo bright ushered me inside. And there, to my astonishment, stood folks I judged and labeled as quite unfit, of little worth, and spiritually disabled. Indignant words rose to my lips, but never were set free, for every face showed stunned surprise. Not one expected me. I just have to tell you, I have little use or time for people who are constantly playing the game of who's in and who's out, of who's going to heaven and who isn't. Now, of course, any of us who think at all have wondered whether or not we'll go to heaven or some form of afterlife with God. We've all thought about that. But in the end, that is reserved for God to decide and not determined by our worry or our merit. The struggle for us is found in the fact that the Bible speaks of both judgment and grace. So which is it? Which is it really? Well, I'd like to suggest this morning that they may not be as far apart as so many people seem to make them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. Note that the text says, may not perish, not will perish. And it explicitly says 
God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. When we see more than condemnation in this familiar passage, we know that judgment and grace can come through the same door in the form of light. Light. Jesus came as a light. I am the light of the world, he said. And what does light do? I mean, we take it for granted every day. We need it every day. It exposes what has been in darkness. Light doesn't pass judgment. Think about that. Light doesn't pass judgment. It simply shows what is. So in a sense, the light gives occasion for us to judge ourselves. Verses 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. That the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that they may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. If in the end, in the very end, all is light, then those who have not been open to the light will be in the light, the same place as the rest of us, but it's going to be hell for them. Just think about that. Heaven and hell may be the same place. Light. God's presence. If you have lived apart from that, then being in that presence and light at first will be hell. We all need to recognize that light can at first be painful. You know, we've had a lot of rain uh, this winter here uh, in our neck of the woods. And lately we've had some beautiful days. And I don't know if you've had that experience of, of uh, maybe pulling out of your garage and you're driving and um, or you're coming up the hill or going someplace and all of a sudden the the location of the sun just is hitting you right in your eyes, and it's almost blinding. It's, it's, it's almost painful. Well, that's how light can be. And might not our exposure to Jesus be the same way sometimes as light? He penetrates. He prompts, challenges, and confronts our darkness. Sometimes it's painful. But in the end, it helps us to see more clearly. You know, I think that's sort of what it might be like to be judged versus being exposed. When you're judged by somebody, that's not a very good or pleasant place to be. But also, when someone exposes something about you that you have wanted to hide, that doesn't feel good either. But if it's somebody who cares about you, somebody who loves you, 
that brings that to light, you have to confront it. You have to deal with it. It won't be pleasant in the moment. It, it could be very painful in the moment. After we get used to seeing it that way, if think of it as the pupils of your soul opening up to more truth and light, that we begin to see more clearly how we can change and move into the future. Jesus, when he came to help the blind see, and we have those stories in the Gospels, he wasn't just addressing the physically blind. He came as a light to bring light and insight. And let's look at his life. He exposed people and their situations and said, go, go and sin no more. He forgave and accepted, especially those who were sinners. Let the one without sin cast the first stone. When he came, when we come to the light, or when it comes to us, we can no longer hide or cover up. We have to fess up. But that's an occasion both for judgment and grace. For we believe that in Christ, God always seeks to forgive and restore us. And so the French priest and paleontologist, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, spoke of light this way. It's odd how in the course of one's life, the light falls from different angles, and yet changes of angles are inevitable, but it, also, but it is always the same light, increasingly clear. The light of Christ comes both to expose and reveal. And lest we think we're already in and others aren't, I say we are playing the wrong game. Fearing God can either mean being afraid of a God, being afraid of God's wrath and judgment, or as the old English word fear meant, awe. It can mean respecting God such that you stand in awe and wonder when exposed to the glory, which is light, glory is light, which emanates from the one true light. Light can be painful, and light can reveal. Light can blind, and light can guide. Stuttart Kennedy, the famed World War II, uh, World War I, excuse me, World War I British chaplain, said about the Judgment Day. I believe there will be just one question asked on that judgment day when I appear before my maker. God will say to me, what did you make of it? What did you make of it? And that's a good question at the close of each day leading to the judgment day. This gift of life which I, your creator, have given you, what did you make of it? So friends, here comes the judge. Here comes the judge as we explore this identity of Jesus. 
not simply at our earthly life's end, but today and every day. A judge that comes not to condemn, but as light. How will we respond to a judge like that? Each and every day. What did you make of it? What did you make of it? What did you indeed?